who have gone before us, what came to mind were some heirlooms in the possession of our family. We have a couple of Christmas ornaments we put on the tree every year that hung on the tree in my mom and dad's house when I was just a little kid. And what's more, they hung on the Christmas tree of my uh, paternal grandfather and grandmother uh, in their house when uh, they were celebrating Christmas. And I didn't know my uh, paternal grandmother, but uh, this, these ornaments that we have, they are a kind of um, tactile, I guess, or physical link I have to someone who uh, I, you know, I have a link to, but who I didn't know in physical presence. That and going to visit her uh, cemetery clock, which was what we did a lot when I was growing up. And Laura has uh, brought into the family some heirlooms of her own as well. Uh, our dining room table belonged to her grandmother, Helen Marple. And she has fond memories of when she was very small, crawling under that table. And her grandmother would crawl under the table with her, and they would play various kinds of Maple Leaf games. And I, I just want to take a moment of personal privilege and tell you more about my grandmother-in-law. Um, you may think you have the best grandmother-in-law, but I really do have the best, or had the best grandmother-in-law. Helen Markle was a true saint. Uh, she welcomed me with open arms into the family. I'm short. She was short. She said, you're just the right size to give a hug to. And she was always there with a hug for me. Actually, she would even hug tall people. She was very generous <laughs> with her hugs. And she had a wonderfully clean sense of humor. It was just good, funny jokes that she told us. She would drop them here and there. And everybody enjoyed being in her presence. She took care of herself until... I can remember being, her being in uh, her late 80s and early 90s, and we would go to the beach together. And she didn't go walking on the beach because of the instability of the sand. But she would walk, I mean, she would just walk back and forth uh, on, the, on the porch every day, getting her exercise and getting her steps in. And when she died, her memorial service, which happened to fall on All Saints Day, was packed. And it's really remarkable because... She was 100 years old when she died. She'd outlived all of her peers, and yet the church was full, despite the fact that it was on a very rainy and blustery weekday afternoon. Everyone who knew Helen Markle loved her, and they all turned out to give thanks for her life and to uh, commend her to the grace of God. Now, the Christmas ornaments I inherited from my grandmother are of no real monetary value. In fact, I think they're just plastic. Uh, and the dining room table that sits in our dining room, uh, it's a nice table, but I don't think it's the kind of thing that would fetch thousands of dollars on Antiques Roadshow. It's just a nice table. Uh, but these uh, artifacts, these tokens, these mementos are rich with memories, and that's why we appreciate them, and that's why we value them. And on the Sunday that we're celebrating Holy Communion, we can kind of say the same thing about the sacrament. Uh, it is not the finest wine that we're going to uh, take together. In fact, it's not wine at all. It's grape juice. And the bread will be enough for us to taste, but it won't be enough to, uh, you know, provide a meal for any of us. But what's significant about the meal are the memories that the meal is charged with. Memories of our Lord and Savior who came down from heaven and clothed himself in a baby born in a barn who grew up to heal the sick, 
and to befriend the friendless, and to teach us the ways of justice and righteousness, and finally to give his life on the cross as a sacrifice to reconcile us to God. These are um, gifts of no monetary value, but for we who believe they are of immeasurable richness. And what is more, uh, these gifts, these mementos, aren't just charged with memories of someone who lived and died a long time ago. Jesus Christ promises us that when we eat this bread and drink this cup, that he is present with us and to us. So he becomes a present reality for us. And the scripture that we read from the letter to the Ephesians says that we have yet more to look forward to. We have to look forward to an encounter with the risen Christ himself, who died, yes, and was raised. And what he has in store for us are gifts and goodness that is beyond all human measure. We read this passage, it's in the part of the Bible called the New Testament. Uh, and what is, uh, you could think of it maybe as the, uh, the last will and testament uh, for God's people, the last word for God's people. But it's a strange will and testament. You know, usually to inherit something, uh, to be named in a will, you have to outlive the person who's deceased. But what is promised to us in this last will and testament will come to us after we are deceased. It's not for people who survive, it's for people who die. And so, for those of us who die in the Lord, we have, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Um, but in this world, we are not bereft of the fullness of God's gifts and the beauty of God's grace and God's love. We have what some translations call a first installment on this inheritance that is promised to us. And that first installment is the Holy Spirit, who is working in our lives to cultivate and nurture fruit. Now, um, I think my first sermon here, I rattled off the, uh, the fruits of the Spirit. I think I got most of them right, one of them wrong. The choir uh, called me out on, uh, on where I went wrong. Uh, but I want to rattle those off again because they're important to me and because I think that they bear on what it means to have this Holy Spirit as a, as a first fruits or as a, as a down payment on the fullness that we expect to receive after we die. Their love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and generosity. Those are the gifts of the Spirit that Paul outlines in a different letter to a different congregation. And so wherever we see these gifts at work, we are given a foretaste, a little sneak preview of what we have, what we can expect beyond the grave. So wherever uh, you see and experience the love of grandparents and grandchildren for one another, wherever you hear a congregation making a joyful noise to the Lord, wherever adversaries and antagonists offer and accept forgiveness and peace prevails where there once was conflict, wherever God gives us patience to endure difficult situations in this life, Wherever God uh, endows people who have a surplus of time and money with a generous spirit to share those gifts. Wherever promises are kept in faithfulness. 
And wherever people practice self-control, uh, rather than avenging themselves or matching anger with anger, then there is a little glimpse of heaven. You get, you, it's like the curtain is pulled back for a little bit. Or like, uh, to use the example from the children's time, a little hole opens in the sky and we can see through to the other side. And today we thank God especially for those little glimpses of heaven, those little, little portals that open in the air through, not just in the air, as the book says, but are opened in the lives of those people who are important to us and who have gone on to be with the Lord. Now, if heaven is all joy and contentment and peace, then I want to pose a question to you that uh, came up in our Wednesday evening book club a couple of weeks ago. Won't heaven be a boring place? I mean, if it's just uh, if it's just us in white robes playing uh, harps and kind of floating around on the clouds, and there's kind of you know no adversity to overcome, no no challenges to meet, won't I mean, won't that kind of get old after a while? Well, one of our uh, Presbyterian catechisms addresses this question, and the answer that the catechism gives is no. The catechism says our deepest, truest delights in this life are only a dim foreshadowing of the delights that await us in heaven. Uh, and one of the saints who's gone before us, uh, a man named Gregory, who helped the church think through the doctrine of the Trinity, said that, you know, what heaven is like is we continue to grow, we continue to change, we continue to experience more and more of God's love and more and more of God's beauty and God's fullness, but we'll never arrive at a fullness of that because God is the creator and we're the creature and God is always a little bit out in front of us. So we'll continue to have those experiences of growth and change and discovery in heaven, but they won't be um, marred or held back by the sin and the evil that uh, keeps us from making progress in this life. Now, for the time being, we do live in this life, and we do remain in this world where sin and evil do hinder human progress and love. And we remain here because God has given us as a gift to the world. To use this language of last will and testament, God has bequeathed us to the world. In the scripture reading that you just heard, uh, most translations say that we have obtained an inheritance in Christ Jesus, but you can also translate that in Christ Jesus, we have been made an inheritance. We have been made a heritage. It's as if we are the uh, fine heirlooms. We are the family farm. We are the family business that is entrusted to the whole human family. And so here in this, I think, is a call to continue to work at cultivating those spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit is already causing to grow within us. And in thinking about those gifts this week, there were two that kind of jumped out in my mind that we, I think that we need to particularly cultivate in these days and weeks and months to come. And those are the gifts of kindness and gentleness. You know, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of appetite in our world these days for kindness and gentleness. Everywhere we look, anger abounds. 
Uh, and in a sense, that's not surprising. You know, we have been through a terrible ordeal over the last couple of years. So many people have died from COVID-19 or become sick from COVID-19. As a society, we've experienced racial strife and we've experienced political violence, probably the worst in half a century. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, unemployment was at record highs. And now this summer, inflation's been at record highs. We have really been you know, jerked around in many, many different directions. And if you are feeling a little bit on edge, you've got a right to be. It's no wonder you're not a little bit, you're on edge. Now, there's two things you can say about anger. One is that, uh, and, well, there's two different ways that anger manifests itself. Sometimes it can manifest itself as righteous indignation. And that's a good kind of anger. It's a, a catalyst for change. But sometimes, and this is what I see more and more in the world these days, anger can curdle into resentment and cruelty and just flat out meanness. And you see that in a lot of different places. You see it in um, traffic fatalities going up, even though people were driving less during the pandemic. There's more road rage out there. You see it in violent crime in our communities. You see it in the, the rise of... Um, racist and anti-Semitic actions and racist and anti-Semitic language and rhetoric in our public discourse. And of course we see it in outbreaks of war and violence throughout the world. We live in mean times. We live in angry times. And in mean times and angry times, the greatest gift that perhaps we have to offer the world are to cultivate those gifts of kindness and gentleness in our daily lives. Anything that we can do to turn down the temperature will be a gift of the Holy Spirit to the world around us. The world is inflamed and chafing and irritated. If we can manifest goodness and kindness, then that can be a healing balm that this world desperately needs. So in days and weeks to come, if we find ourselves annoyed, uh, if we find ourselves angry, if we find ourselves frustrated, uh, let's do what maybe your grandmother told you to do. Before you say anything, take a deep breath and count to ten, because that will help you prevent yourself from fighting, from throwing gasoline on the fire. Say nothing of fighting fire with fire. A soft answer turneth away wrath, the scriptures say, but grievous wounds stir up anger. So, Let's turn wrath down instead of turning anger up. Uh, let's be kind to service workers. Those are the people in our society and in our economy who often bear the brunt of people's anger. So uh, let's tip our waiters and waitresses well, uh, especially if you're going out to lunch after worship. They know where you come from. So if you want to be a witness for God's goodness in Jesus Christ, leave a nice tip, even if the service is you know, a little less than, uh, than exemplary. Uh, say hi to the grocery store clerk. You know, smile and say thank you to the guy who pumps your gas. Be, let's be kind to the people who are taking care of us and who are serving us. And let us fast from those bitter fruits of anger and rage and hatred and paranoia so that we'll have space in our lives for the work of the Spirit, for the work of 
goodness and gentleness and generosity. Um, the media has figured out something. And that is there's something in us that wants to be frightened and angry more than it wants to be comforted and cheered. Uh, so then uh, people who edit websites uh, have figured this out. If you give people a choice between clicking on a headline that says, why you should be terrified of X, and look at these puppies. People will click on the why you should be terrified more than they will look at these puppies. So, so when you're online, look at some puppies every once in a while. And when you're online, um, don't order the news of the day with a side order of outrage or paranoia. You know, some things are happening in our world that are genuinely alarming. But get your news from places where the facts speak for themselves. And no one is trying to stoke or inflame feelings of paranoia or hatred or suspicion of our fellow Christians, our fellow citizens, and our fellow human beings. The love that we enjoy with the saints who've gone before us, with grandparents, parents, spouses, children, uh, with Sunday school teachers, with uh, pastors, with co-workers, that is a first installment on the love that we will experience in greater and deeper fullness when we see them and when we see God face to face. And the kindness and gentleness of seniors that play with small children and many other examples of kindnesses and gentlenesses is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that our world desperately needs to be nourished with. So let us cultivate that gentleness and that kindness in our own lives in the weeks to come. In the name of the one who is and who was and who is to come. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.